Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, when you come here, they are, you get your mind blown in different ways. I just want to announce to you guys, I've sent a message to Pastor Godman that I'm not coming back to Lekki Church. <laughs> if there's a church where we can win money, <laughs> dance to love song, and on top of that, we're going to have, you know, lunch later. No, I'm not going back. <laughs> Praise God. Please put your hands together for yourselves and help me appreciate the leadership of LifePoint, everyone making things happen here. I wanted to do it really well. I'm not trying to follow any protocol. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I have just 40 minutes. I've, I've been told I should try to reduce it because uh, the drinks are on highs. I'm waiting for that as well. You guys almost made me forget my message as I just opened my mouth, you know, soaking it all in. Praise the Lord. Uh, but I trust that God is going to speak to every one of us today. Uh, and it's going to be a blessed time in Jesus' name. How many of you know I've done the opening prayer like that? <laughs> all right. Um, I mean, it's election season, right? Even though it doesn't feel like it's right in this room today. I don't even know who came up with the idea of having election and um, Valentine is in the same month. If you guys can vote for me to become president, that will be the first thing I'll change because <laughs> it's too much of a roller coaster. You know, imagine me this morning praying and thinking about this message that I need to preach here today, 4 a.m. And my wife woke up and the first thing I had was, she said, who does that? <sighs> who does what? <laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> So guess what had happened? My wife had registered for her PVC to be transferred. Maybe we should even start by asking, how many people have PVC here? I can't, is it possible to put on a bit of house light? Because I'm just staring into darkness. And we need to know who is who. Because from next week Sunday, if you don't have PVC, <laughs> we may ask you to look for another church. <laughs> You know, so she had, you know, registered for her PVC. So we moved the house and she had registered for her PVC to be moved to another polling station. And she got a test message telling her that your PVC transfer is now successful and your PVC, your voting uh, location has now been moved to so so place. Guess where they moved her voting location to? Exact, exact same place where she moved it from. <laughs> she was. I didn't get any message, but she confirmed to me that my own PVC was successfully moved to the right location. I just said, well, may Nigeria not happen to you. <laughs> Which just then underscores the reason why everyone must get their PVC and participate, especially if you're of the voting age. Um, there's a lot going on in this nation, and guess what? Some of us, some people are too old to bother. Some of the, no, that's the truth. Some of the people who are destroying things, who are making joke out of the issues of Nigeria, who are, you know, they've turned everything to theatre and all of that. They know they are too old for the reality to catch up with them. They will be dead and gone. You guys <laughs> will be the one to deal with the reality. So you had better be out there voting and getting people to vote wisely. Even though somebody have said we should stop asking people to vote wisely. <laughs> Just vote for, I won't mention names. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, I'm here to talk about unoffendable, 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 unoffendable. And uh, offense is a tricky thing. Uh, I like to start by, you know, reading a few scriptures, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. We have a lot to unpack in the, in the next couple of minutes that I have, so I need to, I'm going to be running really fast. And also remember, our lunch, we're going to have our lunch. We can't allow the, everything to be cold. So, Matthew 5, 23, uh, 23 and 24. Can we go? Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember 
that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Tell your neighbor, leave your offering. I like the fact he didn't say, go with your offering and come back to give it. <laughs> that way, many people will not come back. But leave the offering at the altar. You know, those are days where you would come to the front, nail down, you know, with, you know, the cash offering that you have. We don't even have the cash these days anyway. So, um, so he says, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Best, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. The Bible says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You know, before you can even collect from the Lord, receive from the Lord, be blessed of the Lord, touched of the Lord, you wouldn't even see. <laughs> Praise God. So this is a serious matter, right? Uh, that, 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 that just makes it a very, very serious matter. And I'd like to start by saying that offense is a cancer of the heart. You know, when we use the word heart in, uh, here in church, we're not referring to that thing that pumps blood. We're talking about your spirit, man. We're talking about the core of who you are. We're talking about the real you which is invisible. invisible. So offense is a spiritual cancer. Why? Because it robs you of your joy, robs you of your peace, robs you of power. When, when your joy and peace is taken away, your, your power is taken away. You are left spiritually weak. And you know the worst part? Sometimes the offender is busy having fun, listening to Angelo's songs and dancing. While you are there sitting and, you know, tearing yourself apart on the inside, are we together? So it also destroys relationships. And relationship is central to everything we're going to do. Because if you understand how the kingdom of God works, it works by, Bible talks about, you know, build, uh, uh, you know building the bond of peace. You know, to, to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. If you are unable to connect with your brothers, how, how are you going to be able to get much, much done spiritually? You're going to be weak uh, and offense. And that has also been proven to be the source of a lot of sicknesses. A lot of sicknesses. I've been traceable to that. So it's something really deadly. It is something really deadly. It is something really deadly that we all must take serious to take every precaution against how we manage offense. Look at what offense has caused in the scripture, for instance. Look at Joseph's brothers. They sold their, their little kid brother to slavery. The youngest in the family, or second, to the, second to the last, actually, he wasn't the last. Second to the last boy who was supposed to receive all the pamphlet and all of that. Offense made them to hate him so much, they actually considered killing him. In fact, it was someone who then said, it was Reuben who said, okay, let's not kill this boy because of her father. He's aged now and he might die. Let's sell him to sleep. Imagine that. Their very own brother sold to slave because they were offended. Look at Saul. Saul was so offended, he was throwing javelin at his own son's best friend. It doesn't make sense. It's, not, it's bad enough you are plotting to kill this guy, but in just that, that kind of violent death, right in front of everybody, unprovoked, are you with me? There are people here right now who have thrown several javelins at people in their hearts. The reason you haven't done it physically because, you know, <laughs> police will catch you. <laughs> but in your heart, you've done a lot. You know, you know, and you know what scripture says? It says if you lost uh, on, on, a, on a woman with your eyes, you've already committed adultery. You've already fornicated. So if you've thrown those javelins, they're just as good as Saul. Right? David's sons, those ones were wicked. David's son, uh, uh, I think in um, Second Kings, I believe, they, their sister was raped. So David's sons got themselves into this village, so to speak, and the villagers were not people of God. So there was a young sister, Dina, that looks very beautiful, and one of the rogue boys in the village then caught up with her and raped her. And then they were caught, and they came to David begging forgiveness, and they then said, you know what, Shechem, the 
rogue boy who raped Dina said, no worry, I'll marry her. And David's brother got together and said, okay, they want to marry Dina after raping her. <laughs> they were just smiling. Guess, you need to listen to this story. So they said, okay, you know what? Um, we are going to give you guys one condition. You are going to need to circumcise uh, before you can be joined to our sister in marriage. And they said, circumcision, no problem. These are all the men, not just Shechem. Shechem, his dad, Amor, all his siblings, everybody in the village who are male, they were going to circumcise themselves just so that they can marry Dina after they've raped her. Uh, guess what then happened? The David's, David's sons who actually came up with that idea, they knew what they were planning. So when those guys had been circumcised, I don't want you to picture the pain. Those were not days of anesthesia. And you're talking about grown men. <laughs> All the men in the village sitting and written in serious pain of circumcision. David's brother got up, got swords, and massacred everybody. Such cold-blooded killing, violence. Killed everybody. Killed all the guys in the village. That was how they avenged on the rape of their sister. Praise God. I don't even know which one is worse again. <laughs> that's, that's too much. It doesn't make sense, right? We can go on and on. Paul and Barnabas, the, the same Paul who is the father of the New Testament, got so offended between him and Barnabas because of Mark. And they had to be separated. The ministry had to be separated. Everybody had to go their separate ways. And to cap it all off, even God was offended at some point. Genesis chapter 11, verse chapter 6, God was offended and sent water to wipe, up, to wipe out the entire planet. That is what can happen when you have offense in your heart. That is, you are not, you don't know the level of destruction you are capable of until you allow offense to percolate in your heart. And of course, when you get to that place, you have become spiritually almost dead to, for you to get to that place. That's how deadly offense is. However, as deadly as offense is, there's something the scripture also says about offense, which is the fact that None of, us is going, none of us can escape offense. Offense is a fact of life. You will be offended. It's in the Bible. Luke chapter 17 verse 1. Luke 17 verse 1. The Bible says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It is in Luke 17 verse 1. Offense is a fact of life. Every one of us, we are going to be offended. As deadly as it is, as, as it is you are going to be offended. And that then puts everyone in a catch-22 situation. As deadly, it's a deadly thing, but even God could not escape it. So how dare you think you will not be offended? You will be. Why? You are on, you're on this planet. Nothing is perfect. Just anywhere you find human beings, you find imperfection. Anywhere you find human beings, you will find offense. Because humans are just simply not perfect. If anybody is looking for a perfect church, if you find one, please join, don't join them. Because immediately you join them, that church has become imperfect. Because you are not perfect. If you find a perfect country, please don't, don't go in there. Because the moment you step in, that country has become imperfect. Because you also are not perfect. So offense is a fact of life. Please look at your neighbor highball to highball and tell them offense is a fact of life. Just like death and taxes, like they say. Offense is a fact of life. All right, there are three common ways that we handle offense. Three common ways that we handle offense. One is fight. Second one is flight. The third one is freeze. Those are the popular ways that most of us handle offense. Fight, 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 flight, and what? And freeze. Um, let's read... Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. I'm going to use that scripture to explain the three common ways that we deal with offense. Romans, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the stone go down on your heart, nor give place to the devil. I'm going to use that scripture again to speak to the three common ways that we handle offense. Let me start with freeze. What does that mean? Pretend like it's nothing. Mm. <laughs> Try not to think about it. Block it out of your memory. Convince yourself that it's all fine. 
It's not a big issue. Just, just move on. I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm, do I look angry? I'm not. I'm not angry. Come on. What were we saying? <laughs> That's the freeze mode that a lot of people engage. And they use some certain scripture to justify. The Bible says to, that, that love covers multitude of sin. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, let me move on. Freeze. People just freeze. They just, you know, like nothing just happened. Let's just move on. And you're trying to convince yourself it's not a big issue. I'm the one overthinking things. Even though you can't, you, now you're having sleepless nights. And you still, it's just me. It's just me. And you just try to change the topic, you know, and all of that. That's one way people handle offense. Another one, of course, is fight. Give them back in good, with good measure, pressed and shaking together. <laughs> hot, hot, as in the hot. The violence gang. Give them double dose. You know? You give me back. I mean, I don't take nonsense. One of my friends said, when we were in school, he said, he was trying to Romans chapter 12, verse 19. He says, God said that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> he said, you know it's in the Bible. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's, it's, Pastor, it's not me that raised it. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> oh, my. That's the violence type. And then the, the last popular way we handle offense is flight. Avoid the person. Avoid the situation. Hide. Run away. When they're coming this way, you go that way. Just block them. You know, stop going for those meetings, early meetings that where they know they will appear. You know, just... Try to, you know, pretend like they, don't, they no longer exist. <laughs> None of these three ways is scriptural. None. None is an effective way to handle offense. None follows the scripture. The, for the freeze people, for instance, what I'll tell you is this. The Bible says, be angry. The scripture we just read says what? Be angry. You know, a lot of time when we read that scripture, we quickly say, and sin not. But do you know that it is healthy to be angry? Yes. It's okay to be angry. As a matter of fact, if you know anyone who does not ever get angry, be careful. Run. <laughs> check it out. No, check it out. I'm serious. Bible says, be angry. It's in the Bible. That is the deliverance that someone needs today. Because in your bid to run away, totally away from anger, you are harboring cancer. And you are covering... You know, when someone is injured, if it's a serious injury, we need to cut it open. You have to open it. But some people are so afraid of opening the wound that they would rather put bandage on it. A deep wound that needs surgery, you bandage it up. What do you think will happen? It, it will get healed, right? It will keep rotting. And that's how some people are. Be angry. Jesus was angry. Jesus carried a table, slammed it. Because people were doing Burude change in church. <laughs> we're changing dollar to Naira. Oh, Naira to Naira. <laughs> Now we have the parallel market for, for now. What's the, what the current rate? <laughs> May God deliver this country. <laughs> Praise God. It's okay to show that I'm not okay with this. Many of us have been schooled in a way that we have lost our capacity to have the courage to show our feeling when we need to show our feeling. You will smile when you're supposed to frown. You will hug when you're supposed to punch. You will say, hey, yes, yes, yes. When you're supposed to frown, I say, I say no. It's a no. It's a vital part of being a healthy human being. Capacity to disagree and to say, I disagree. Capacity to say, 
I'm not okay. I'm not happy with this. You know what happens a lot of time because people run. And what scripture says, if you go to um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there is time for everything. The Bible says there's time to hug. There's a time to refrain from hugging. There's time to heal. There's time to kill. There's time to laugh. There's a time to frown. The people who freeze, part of why they freeze is because they are so afraid of conflict. They are scared of disagreement. Totally scared of it. And as a human being, if you're going to process anger properly, you need to understand how to manage it. You do it, you disagree respectfully, disagree without abusing anyone, disagree without getting petty, but you still disagree and you voice your disagreement. It's, a, it's part of the healthy ways to manage conflict, to manage offense. I have had to walk up to my bosses in time past and say, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. I'm not happy with this. I need to understand why this happened. It's not more than that. Sometimes you may even need to prostrate to say it. But you still say it. Praise God. So, someone says, be angry. And says, now, now, for the fight mode, fight people. Give them back. Bible says, be angry and what? Do not sin. Do not sin. That's what the scripture says. Be angry but do not sin. Be angry, but don't call names. Be angry, but don't get violent. Like, don't get violent. Be angry, but don't get petty. Be angry, but don't resort to, you know, maligning someone's character. It's become a norm now. People go on Twitter and lambasting each other and drag people like generator. Don't be part of those people. Don't be part of such. Don't let your own wokeness, you know, uh, exhibit itself that way. That's not wokeness. That is normalizing violence. That's normalizing sin, destroying other people. And that's not right. It does not matter what anyone has done to you. You also are not perfect. I need to move faster. So for, so for, the, for the fight, guys, you, understand, you need to understand that the Bible says to not sin. For the flight people, people who like to hide, avoid the person, run away. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your heart. Never give place to the devil. Because by avoiding and hiding and refusing to engage and all of that, you are elongating the life cycle of that anger and that offense. And this simple stuff that I've shared is the reason why a lot of marriages are packed up. See, I've seen things. I don't want, we're not here to talk about marriage and all of that, but I've seen a lot of things. I've seen marriages, guys, I've seen marriages where there was actual, uh, you know, infidelity on both parts. On both parts. And yet, they were able to find the right parts to deal with those offenses, and they are strong together today. And they've been strong for years. And I've also seen a marriage that the argument started from I put a bottle of can in the fridge and you went and took it. That's where the argument started from. And today, the marriage is no more. Praise God. So how you undo offense, especially at the initial level, because you can see how cancerous it is when you allow it to percolate in your heart. So there's a scriptural protocol for dealing with offense. There's a scriptural protocol for dealing with offense and we find it in Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17. That is the scriptural protocol for dealing with offense. We've highlighted the three wrong ways that we deal with it. This is what the scripture says to do when you are offended. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. The Bible says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Let somebody say step one. What's the step one? To go tell everybody... Announce it in the WhatsApp group. Um, go on Twitter to rant about it. Go attack the person back. What's the step one? One-on-one. One-on-one. 
Brother Lawaja, that thing you said, I'm not happy. I don't like the way you said this thing. I don't like the way you did this. That's the step one. Now, let's read on. Bible says, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. That's step two. Say step two. You go with what? One or two more people. After you've had one on one, the disagreement is still there. The offense is there. You need to call a mature third party to be part of the conversation. Say, am I, maybe I'm, maybe like, like I hope I'm, I'm all right. I just want to know whether I'm crazy. <laughs> so call someone else to look into it for both of you. That's the second step. Let's read on. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. You speak to a leader in church. That's the third step. Speak to someone who we are both submitted to. Are we together? That's the third step. And then, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a task collector. After the pastor, everybody have now said, brother, you should apologize. What you did is not right. And then they say, no. I don't care how you guys feel. This is how I'm going to do it. I don't care who is offended. I insist that I'm right. That is after we've gone through all these steps. The Bible says to do what? Treat such a person like, a, like quote unquote, an unbeliever. So that person becomes a prayer point. Let me show you how Paul dealt with such issues. So step one, one-on-one. -on -one. Step two, bring, bring in a mature third party. Step three, bring in a church leader. Step four, you reduce your fellowship with such person. That's what it means to treat the person as an heathen or a task collector. It means that your interaction... The relationship is still there, but fellowship has to reduce. The interaction level has to reduce. It has to. If someone has given themselves the permission to continue to offend you and to hurt you unrepentantly, you got to reduce your interaction with them. <laughs> Praise God. See, Paul walked people out of church in the Bible. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 13. Paul was a bad guy. First Corinthians 5, verse 9 to 13. He said, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous and exceptional or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now, he says, when I said don't relate with sexually immoral people, he said, I wasn't talking about sexually immoral unbelievers. I'm telling you, don't associate with sexually immoral believers. That's what Paul was saying. I'm, I'm talking to you, don't associate with exceptionals, people who do these things as a practice and they are Christians. Don't associate with them. Let me move on. Uh, verse 12. It says, For what have I... Okay, no, 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 no. Verse 11. It says, But now... I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such people. Don't eat with them. So as we're having lunch later today, now we need to identify <laughs> and create a separate table for them and put a prayer warrior with <laughs> You can't. You can't be going to lunch with such people. When you already know. Because some people say, ah, but Jesus loves everybody. This is Jesus talking to us. And nobody says you shouldn't love everybody. Love and fellowship are two different things. You can't be close to everybody. You love everybody, but you can't be close to everybody. Evil communication, Bible says what? Corrupts good manners. Some of you, you need to go audit your relationships right now. Because the reason why you're always having heart attack is because you are moving with people who have no conscience and they have given themselves the permission to keep hurting you. And you are also insisting that those are my bodies and all of that. You are better off by yourself with the Holy Spirit and with peace and your health intact. Some of you, you have associated too much 
with Nigerian politicians. <laughs> it's not like you have their numbers and you guys call each other, but when you open your Twitter, they have become your friends because they feed your heart. And as a lot of people are in a very terrible place, mentally and emotionally, if you do not manage your interaction with Nigerian news, you can have heart attack easily. It's a fact. If you do not manage your interaction with social media, you open yourself like this. Praise God. I don't have a lot of time. So, um, how to avoid taking offense? There are two things I want to speak to in 10 minutes. How to avoid taking offense and how to avoid holding offense. Because sometimes, so we try not to allow it to come in, but sometimes it comes in because the Bible says nobody can escape it, right? When it does come in, how not to hold it? How not to hold it? How to avoid taking offense? The first one is avoid assumption. Hey, assumption. Running to conclusion, jumping to conclusion without knowing the facts. They said, I said, the way that, that guy is looking, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure about what you, have, you know nothing about. Assumption is the seed of offense. Assumption is the seed of offense. Assumption. It's a big feeder of offense. Very big. Very big. There's something we call fundamental attribution error. Fundamental attribution errors is what we do when you see someone do something and you label them. You see, that guy is cheating. He's a cheat. He's this or she's that. He's that and all of that. But when you find yourself making similar mistakes, you say, I was under pressure. It was because <laughs> it was, they pushed, I was pushed. Why did you slap her? Hey, she. Fundamental attribution error. Very easy to judge the speckle in someone's eyes while the nepa pole is there right in your own eyes. <laughs> Assumption. Triggers from the past. Because the last guy who slapped you liked to greet you good morning. This is a new guy. It wasn't the one slapping you. Now he greets you good morning. What is good about the morning? Why are you? You want to slap me? Ah. Uh -uh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and that happens a lot. Transferred aggression from things that you suffer. Hey, a lot of, most, most people here are single. Do you know, for instance, that as you get into a relationship, do you know you will suffer a bit of that? Granted. The only person who fell from the sky that you could have married, he has died over 2,000 years ago. <laughs> no, no other person fell from the sky. They've been bruised one way or the other, and they will transfer unknowingly. Praise God. Triggers from the past, transferred aggression. It's still assumption. It's still assumption. Fake news, conspiracy theories. <laughs> A lot of that is fine around now. Sometimes you have to be comfortable to say, I don't know. I just don't know. And until I know, I don't know. That's the problem. A lot of people can't stay without knowing. They feel they must know. You think you must be omni, omniscient. You must know everything. <laughs> but many things you don't know. You simply don't know. I've learned to quickly, when I don't know, to say, I don't know. Instead of quickly jumping on an assumption and then we begin to tabulate ideas and say, I'm sure it's because when they now, and then the whole thing comes back and you're like, oh, it's actually not at all what we thought. And people have gone a whole lifetime like that. <laughs> There's a funny story about one of my, when I was in secondary school, I was in a boarding house and one of, uh, we were juniors and one of the seniors approached, you know, one of my mates and like, Okay, so the, the junior who was my mate borrowed, um, is it cup? I think cup from a senior. And as he was just about using the cup, the senior said, Leke, bring my cup. And Leke, being a Yoruba boy, went, Oh, Oloruka Tiboruka, or what we do for? Do you know what that means? <laughs> it's just a Yoruba habit to say, The owner has collected his thing, 
my hand is now empty. That's what he meant. That's what that old Yoruba meant. Guess what the word the senior said? Is it me a Start beating the boy. <laughs> because to, to him, because he didn't understand Yoruba, he thought the guy was abusing him. Gave him dirty slabs all around. Stop, stop, stop. That's not what, what you're even saying. You don't even understand what it meant. But you already assumed that he was abusing you. What he said had nothing to do with abuse. Praise God. So assumption. And a lot of time, what we are dealing with is matters of perspective. Matters of perspective. Let me give you some examples, for instance. So somebody will say, oh, uh, so sometimes we are criticizing people. You are just unrealistic. And the person says, "No, I'm just being optimistic." Somebody will say, "Somebody will call them. You are manipulative. You just like to manipulate. See the way you are dressing. You want to manipulate." No, no, no. I'm just being charming. Of course, there are ex extremes that we, that sometimes is very clear, <laughs> black and white. You know when. When the handshake starts going beyond the elbow, we already know that, no, this one is beyond the limit. But a lot of times, we judge people and blame them like that. And we tag them, right? So, sometimes someone is, you say, you are, not, you are not making sense. What you are saying is not making sense. And the person says, I'm just being passionate. Calm down, guys. Sometimes someone is, we, we, we accuse somebody that they are enabling bad behavior, and they tell you, I'm just being supportive. Same action, two different perspectives. We tell some people, you are just spineless. You are, see you, you're just sucking up with everybody. A person says, no, I'm just trying to be cooperative. We accuse people of being arrogant. See, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm just being bold. <laughs> Same action, two perspectives. A lot of people will attack them. You are rude. How can you be this rude? No, I'm just being direct. Perspective. Perspectives, that's still all under assumptions. So we need to give ourselves a break, gain perspective from the, from the other side before we jump into conclusion. Are we together? Empathy is very, is very important. Empathy will also help you not to get offended easily. Everyone is like you, imperfect and doing the best they can. Every single person on the face of the earth is just like you. They are imperfect and simply doing the best that they can. Let me land on this. You need to keep growing. Just growing alone will reduce the level of offense that can get into your heart. Just by growing spiritually and otherwise, the range of things that can offend you decreases as you grow. The reason why some of you, the least that you have of what your babe, your husband or your wife must be, the reason that why that list is very long right now is because you haven't grown. You haven't grown. There's a particular tongue the person must speak. If their tongue is not sounding this way, if their Bible is not marked one certain way, if their skirt is not some certain length, you have all those long lists of things. Ah, me, I can't cope. Oh. Any brother that you can't, your ride is not clean. No. The reason that list is very long is because you haven't grown. Because as you grow, the things that touch you, they will reduce. Your capacity to accommodate imperfection will grow. And the fact that you've grown will also help you to put yourself in another person's shoe. Tell your neighbor, grow, 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 grow. Praise God. Hallelujah. And lastly, to avoid holding offense. Now the offense has come in. You're trying to deal with it so that it doesn't stay in your heart. There are a few steps that will help you. One is to know yourself and compensate for your weakness. For instance, if you know yourself as someone who does not like to confront issues, you need to help. You need to, you need, you, you then, you then know that you need to compensate for that side of things and get the help that you need. Maybe speak to a friend who can help you. You know this is the right thing to do, but it's a struggle. Because sometimes some of these things come as a result of our personality. If you know, for instance, you are the fight type, sometimes you've said things before you even know you've said them. You know that you need to help yourself in that instance. Are we together? Talk to God. It always helps when you're offended. A lot of people pray, but not everybody talks to God. And those are two different things. 
God is not just interested in your praise and worship. He's interested in the dirty gist. God is interested in the unchristianly conversations. God, I'm angry right now. I feel like breaking his edge. Holy Spirit, why, don't, why didn't you knock him when he was? I need your help. Otherwise, I'm, I'll misbehave. <laughs> Go have those conversations with God. Praise the Lord. Process the pain. That's another step that will help you. A lot of time I see people going around with blood dropping as they are going. But they are smiling, they dress nice and all of that, but blood is dropping. If there's a pain to be processed, you know you are hot, you know you are hungry, schedule a time to process it. I've seen people who will come out, of, they've been served breakfast and they tell us, oh, no, 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 I can see I the meeting with him. That's not, it's not going to be an issue. And, and then they come back crying. Why would you put yourself in that space? If you need to take a break, because emotional injuries are deeper than physical injuries. They pain a lot more. So if you need some time off, take time off and process the pain. Don't go about with blood gushing out of your body. Don't minimize the issue. I am hot. I am hungry. It is what it is. If for the next one or two weeks I can't show up in that meeting, it's fine because I'm processing something. You need to go and meditate somewhere, go there and meditate. You need to go somewhere and pray, go there and do it. There's someone you need to call and have a long conversation. Go, you need to go somewhere and cry, go and cry. It's okay. Believing it or behaving as if it's not there will only make the pain to last longer and the impact deeper in you. You are a human being. That's who you are. It doesn't matter whether you pray for five hours every day. You are human. And sometimes we, we lose touch with our humanity because we feel, wow, I have the Holy Ghost. You also have flesh and blood. And you are not in heaven just yet. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Again, because I understand sometimes the pain is so deep, you don't want to face it. You don't want to acknowledge it because it will feel as if it's going to swallow you. But it, it won't. It's like getting into the surgery room. Someone needs to open that wound before you can, it can be healed. Are we together? If you need to see a therapy, some people may need to see a therapy. There's something called healing therapy. I've had to take people through it. And part of what needs to happen in healing therapy is that you need to change the meaning of what happened to you. The pain you are taught to, you see, for instance, let me, let me demonstrate for them to you. If I do this for you in Nigeria, what does it mean? So, <laughs> okay, so let, let me do it properly. It means what? That's waka, proper waka. I didn't have my two hands, I would laugh. But if a, if a Chinese or a Japanese walked in and I did the same thing, what do you think will happen? Will he be angry? He probably smile back at me and wave, thinking I'm greeting him. Why? The pain is in the meaning. The pain is not in the action. The pain is in the meaning that you attach to it. The pain is in how you interpret the action. When someone offends you and you're able to change the meaning to say, I'm just participating in someone's growth experience. I'm participating in someone's God experience. You know, when people come here to share God experience, there's that part where it looks like everything is down. Otherwise, it won't be a testimony. There's always that part where it looks like things are going under. It looks like things are not going to happen the way I wanted them to happen. But something changes in between. So you tell yourself, I'm just participating in a movie that has a happy ending. It's just that my role in that movie is before the happy ending, and it's okay. When you change the meaning, it affects how the pain touches you. Are we together? Let's, let's rise up. We need to end here and now. Let's, let's rise up. The last thing to do when you are in pain, when you've been offended, is to pray for that person. And that's where I want us to start. Actually, two things. Pray for them and do something good for them. Pray for them or, and buy them a gift. <laughs> Send them, send them a lovely message. Um, whatever need that they have, try and meet it. That's part of the forgiveness journey. See, 
the offender may not deserve the forgiveness, but you deserve the peace. You deserve the peace. You deserve the peace. Holding on to offense is like holding on to... Um, is like holding up a gun and pointing the... Pointing the pointing the, uh, a tree, the, the, the gun at yourself, thinking it's the other person that will die. No. It's like taking poison and expecting it's the other person that will die. No. You deserve the peace. If there's anyone here right now, I want you to pray for whoever has offended you. You do some of these things by faith. You do it by faith. Meaning, you won't feel it. It's not one of those prayers that you enjoy preaching, that you enjoy praying, but you do it because God says so. That's what God says. Pray for your enemy. This person may not necessarily even be your enemy, but for at the moment, they have offended you, and I need you to open up your mouth and pray for them. Pray for them as a sign of your own obedience to God. See, Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, talking to Abraham, says, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your exceedingly great reward. And there's another scripture that we read earlier, Romans, um, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I will repay. God is the one who will repay you. When you stand in obedience with God, it will repay you. It will repay the offender for what they deserve, whatever punishment that God believes they deserve, and also repay you for whatever has been taken away from you. So I want you to align with God right now. He's still your best friend. He's the only one who will never offend you. Some of us even still get offended by, by God and that's fine. But at, right now, align yourself with God and just pray for that person. Even if you don't feel like it, I want you to say with your mouth, I just forgive you right now. I, I forgive that person right now. I let it go. I let it go. I do it by faith. I do it in obedience. I do it even though I don't feel like doing it. I do it trusting that the Holy Spirit will help me with my own feelings. I do it trusting that God is the one who will reward me. I do it trusting that God is the rewarder. And anything and everything that I might have lost is the one who will reward me back. We give you praise, Father. I want us to take a confession together. Do we have the confession hope? There's a confession that I want us to take together. Mosmida, do you have the confession? Okay, so just, just say after me. Say, I have a productive heart. My heart is a field that the Lord has blessed. I have the shield of faith around my heart. My heart is safe and kept by the grace of God. My heart is excellent soil for the word of the Lord to be planted. I bring forth my fruit in due season and multiple folds. My heart is protected against the loss of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world. My heart is protected against the heart of persecution, against the heat of persecution and the teeth of the planted world. My heart is a factory for divine imagination, godly ideas, and holy conversation. I keep my heart strong by feeding diligently and consistently on God's word. I keep my heart cleansed by the washing of the blood and maintain a pure conscience towards God. I keep my heart growing by developing the fruit of the Spirit and leaving no space for the work of the evil one. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We give you praise for your word. And we thank you for the work of healing that you are doing in us as we align ourselves with you to repay everything that has been lost in multiple fold for us. We receive your grace and your strength to forgive. Receive your grace and your strength to 
block our hearts of any form of offense in the name of Jesus and whoever is holding any offense to let them go in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we receive grace to forgive simply because you are forgiving us. And we pray for anyone right here today who needs to receive forgiveness of sin from, for, from Jesus. If you are here in the room and you know you need to receive forgiveness of sin from the Lord, you know you are not exactly in a good place with God right now. You need to renew that relationship with God. God's forgiveness has been given before your sin showed up on the face, or showed up, in, showed up at all. His forgiveness was waiting. He had paid all of the price. You simply needed to walk into that forgiveness and receive it. So you are not here to beg God to forgive you. You are here to receive the forgiveness that He has already offered to you. If you are here in the room and you want to give your life to Jesus, want to receive forgiveness of sin and renew your, your walk with God, I want you to please wave your hand wherever you are in the auditorium so we can all pray for you and join you to reconcile back to God. Anyone in the room, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We are not about, you know, making a show of it. It's between you and God. And God honors that. When you honor Him in this space today and you lift up your hand and you say, indicate that you want to renew your work with Him, He honors that and He sees it. And His love is beyond what anyone can ever be qualified for. So don't worry about being qualified. Don't worry about uh, how God will receive you. He has already received you. He can't wait to have you back in His hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I just want you to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you have died on the cross of Calvary for my sin. And therefore, I ask for forgiveness of sin. I ask that your blood will wipe away all my sin. And today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I receive a renewal of your spirit to keep walking with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for accepting me as your son and your daughter. And thank you for the sacrifice that you gave on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for your son and your daughters. We ask that your hand continually rest on them in the name of Jesus. We ask that your spirit will keep them and counsel them and help them and strengthen them to keep walking with you all the days of their lives. We give you praise today. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And the church said, praise the Lord. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for listening. We hope that the message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng. For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org.